Welcome to Fables of Our Deconstruction, a podcast where we examine our systems of faith and culture together as we grow as people. I'm your host, Dylan. If you like what you hear, check me out at patreon.com slash Dylan. If you'd like to be on a future episode, leave me a message at 515-318-7569 or find Fables of Our Deconstruction on Anchor FM and leave me a voice message. Leave your name, otherwise I will keep you anonymous. Let's get into this. I am done reading Ken Ham's Answers in Genesis book, Begin. Begin was, well, how do I put this? Begin was awful. That's the only, that's the only way I can phrase it. I didn't need this book. No one needed this book. Answers in Genesis is not well suited for converting skeptics and other non-believers to Christianity. This book as we discussed last time we talked about it, is really just a retelling of the King James Version of Genesis, Exodus, John, Romans, and Revelation. It's hardly original content by Ham or his co-author Hodge. Hell, suffice it to say, this is just a regurgitated Bible with someone's footnotes scribbled in it. Uh, Then, you know, I covered it in my own scribblings, so what does that say? However, let's give AIG some credit. The last 36 pages of the book are actually original. In fact, I bookmarked them. It's broken into several small segments at the end, and I think these are where Ham's arguments shine. The first section in the end of Begin is called, What Does It Mean to Be Saved? This section is the author's overview of everything they've presented. The entire book is cherry pickings of the Bible that are structured in a way if you already buy it, that is, for it to weasel its way out of several contradictions. In What Does It Mean to Be Saved, there's even more cherry-picking. It's perfectly pruned to tell you the whole sin thing all over again. It tells us that God created a quote-unquote good earth that was tainted by Adam and Eve who listened to a serpent. A serpent that not only talks, but AIG insists was Satan. Again, Satan and the snake aren't necessarily related in the text, and they stand more or less as fan theories. Fan theories that aren't any more convincing than arguments for Ash's dad and Pokemon, but I digress. The section goes on to remind us that God, the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving creator of everything, the creator of all the rules, threw mankind out of the Garden of Eden, and suddenly animals were made carnivores and humans started dying and Adam was suddenly ashamed to have a penis. But the guy who made the rules loved humanity. He really did. He loved it. So he knew that he needed blood and that humans sucked. So he had to come up with a series of sacrificial rituals to appease himself. He loves cooked flesh and shed blood. And because he loves us, he decided to impregnate a teenager have her ostracized by her community, and then bear his son so he could kill him. Because that all makes sense. Our powerful creator loves us and set forth in a rigged system in which he needed blood. 
He's basically Corn from Warhammer. Or at least Corn is honest with his intentions. And now that we've helped God slaughter his only begotten son, who was also God himself somehow, because three in one, it's more hardcore than shampoo, we can be saved. The world is still cursed, but immortality, incest, and ubiquitous herbivorism is natural. Unlike death and the cycles of the world around us, God is sorry. He won't make us sacrifice again, but he will come down someday in the very near end times to fucking kill us all. I mean, save for those of us who do what God says, pretend to drink his son's blood regularly, and pretend to cracker his flesh. It's all good when you've got blood. Blood for the blood god. Now I know. I know. I'm flying into hyperbole. But it's not necessarily wrong. The section's final words start with, and this is a quote, Our hope is that everyone who reads this will consider Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But I can't. Begin, this book here, begin, put forth zero arguments why anything of the Bible is to be believed. It doesn't address discrepancies in the creation myths. It doesn't look at how the stories of Jesus, his birth, and life are all different. It doesn't explain how all the slaughter in the Old Testament could even be a good thing. It dances around permitting slavery and all the gendered laws that make God, as we know him, a moral monster. To swallow this book, you need to have already believed and have barely a question. And I'm left with the feeling that if there were ever a world where the Abrahamic God of the Bible were real, the God of Answers in Genesis, if that God were real, I would certainly never worship him or his son. But that leaves us with the question of 2023, next year, and the remaining claims in the end of this book. So, folks, Ken Ham upsets me. If you watch his debates, if you listen to him speak, if you know anything about the man, uh, he assumes that you know he must be right. And it makes me want to flip out of my own skin sometimes. It legitimately drives me bananas. But the remainder of the book offers claims such as why there are literally six days in the creation myth. Like, why that must be true. Or, you know there were dinosaurs on the ark, right? And I think these are fascinating sections that deserve their own deep dives. So we're gonna, we're gonna do that in 2023. What I would like to start in the new year, aside from gathering more listener stories, because I need them, call me, <laughs> is to address the sections in this book that I left out, and then add to it, I want to work with other content creators. Maybe you, if you're watching or listening, I want to talk about things that we believe uh, as, as subcultures, as niches. I want to talk about, is there a good reason to believe in Bigfoot or ghosts or aliens? If you don't know me already, I grew up so deeply, deeply entrenched in monsters and woo-woo thinking. I think it's time we start dismantling those beliefs too. Yes, I'm going to keep it up with the atheist uh, atheist stuff. I'm going to keep dismantling religion as it comes to me. My goal is, you know, what if there's something in one of these books? What if there's a claim that one of you can make that would sway me the other way? And I think it's good that we take these things apart. 
If you're listening, if you're a believer, if you're a non-believer, if you're somewhere somewhere on the road of faith and belief, whether you believe in God or Bigfoot, call in. Call into my hotline, if you will. Leave me a message and we can talk about it. I'm not here to pick you apart. I'm not here to tear you down. There's plenty of programs like the Atheist Experience where you can talk in real time to someone and have your ideas torn asunder. But I want to know where you are on your story of taking apart the things you believe and deciding whether or not you should believe in them. I don't think it's healthy to believe in the Bible as proposed by this book begin. So I think we can all do much better than that. Maybe there's a book you think is better that I could try out that isn't as hokey, isn't as... It's so derivative. But there it is. Those are my plans for the new year. Let's tear apart more woo-woo stuff and see why we believe it and what might be worth holding on to in those cultures, those ideas, those communities. I'm still a part of plenty of woo-woo communities. I make artwork of monsters. And I want voices. I want your voice. This is your chance to be heard. Oh, yeah. Social media is the worst thing in the world for me. (laughs) It makes me feel horrible. I'm trying to steer my focus away from socials and put my effort into energy, effort and energy, excuse me, into shows like this, my newsletter, and my Patreon. They are healthier for me, and I am loving all the writing I get to do. As a matter of fact, I love my newsletters. They've been a huge outlet for me if you don't want to be constantly inundated by atheist skeptic content. They might be a great spot for you. Yes, sometimes it'll rear its head, but more more or less, the newsletters are about a creative journey. I've been on a creative journey since about 2014, so we're going on, what, eight years? Almost ten years now? Where I've been making my own content, I've been writing comics, I've been a part of numerous different shows, activities, game shows. I'm going to talk about my journey in those newsletters. So go look me up. My studio is officially named Brimstone Studios. Each studio is my illustrations, my podcasts, my writing, all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, So go find me on Substack and subscribe. It would do me a huge solid. It'll change your life, maybe. I mean, who knows? We're all in that fight together, right? Also, I've got champions back on my drafting table and underway. I'm almost finished with book five. Then we're going to put out book six. I'm going to do both books at the same time. We're going to do a trade paperback. I might find a publisher. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how that (laughs) that turns out. Um, But I I can't wait to get that to you in 2023. I am an official guest at Supercon 2023. We'll be debuting champions, the complete series there. So stay tuned for all of that. So much artwork, new conventions, new events, new stories in 2023. This has been Fables of Our Deconstruction. Fables of Our Deconstruction is created by me, Dylan Jacobson. Please like and review Fables wherever you get your podcasts, and join my community, The Brimstone Order, at patreon.com slash dylan. If you want to find any of my work, it's always brimstonestudios.com now, and I'd like to thank Apes of the State for the use of their song Moments a Year From Now as my intro and outro. And remember, you are never alone. We are in this together. <laughs> <laughs>